It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on Monday, December 6th. I'm your host, Josh Gessman. A little bit of stuff to talk about. Not a bunch. We're not going to keep you here forever, but welcome to a wonderful Monday show. December in full swing. Uh, MLS Cup coming up this weekend. If you raise your hand, if you have Portland and NYC in the uh, in the final, I know I know I didn't. Um, just proves all you have to do is win and you can get there. All right, Real Salt Lake's uh, run comes to an end. A whole bunch of cheating ends in a Western Conference appearance. So interesting to see that as well. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about what MLS is talking about with their MLS Next Pro coming out and why you really don't need to pay any attention to it, but it is an interesting thing. Tyler Boyd to the LA Galaxy is a rumor that's out there. We're going to talk a little bit about Julian Araujo and Efrain Alvarez again. To help me do all this, he's back. He's here. It's the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, bud? All right. Yes, I am back from Mexico. What, what was that you said? I want to get that down. All you have to do... What was that? All you have to do is win, and then you make it to the final. Yes, yes. Is that how it works? Yes, wow. I, if, if, that was a Bruceism. I thought I thought you would like it. If you win more yeah. games than you lose, then you're a little bit better team. Uh, if you score more goals than the opponent, then you will then you will win. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's what it is. I, th- I think but I figured it out. Speaking of Bruce Arena, do you know the last Western Conference team that was not from the Pacific Northwest, that was not named Portland Timbers or Seattle Sounders, the last Western Conference team to make it to MLS final was the LA Galaxy, 2014. It's been it's been that long. Chivas USA was still in the league that season, and that was the last time the Galaxy played an MLS Cup. Right. By the way, it's the longest drought now, seven years, longest drought in franchise history. I have a spreadsheet that tracks how many days in between stuff and things like that. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a good it's a good spreadsheet if uh, for Galaxy fans if you want to like drink your weekend away or something like that. Whenever yeah, you're, it's, uh, it's it's not good. We are in a a real funk. Yeah, I you know I would like to uh, I would like to blame the LA Galaxy for uh, having me many 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 times uh, spend a ton of money whenever they're not playing and they're not keeping me busy, Kevin. Uh, I go out and spend money on things like crazy because I'll, I all of a sudden have free time and I think I have hobbies. When instead, if the Galaxy would just make it all the way to MLS Cup, I wouldn't have time for all of these quote-unquote hobbies. Um, and I wouldn't have time for all these extracurricular things. So I think I'm going to send the Galaxy a bill and it's going to be it's gonna be a, a hefty one. Well, you got that train thing. 
yeah. going on now. I, I, I outgrew model trains when I was like six, but you, you know, you keep going. I, I, that's what everybody walks by and says, Oh, this is so nice. You're doing it for your son. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's asleep whenever I do this. All right. This is, this is my fun. I have a good time. So are, yes. are you broadcasting from the Griffith park planetarium, by the way? No, this is, this is my wintry mix. I told you we went over this last time. This is my wintry mix winter, like festival feeling that I got going on here. And we've talked about how wintry mix is a wonderful it sounds wonderful but it's really it's one of the seven gates of hell so that's yeah yes. the winter warlock is going to pop out of the background there that's fine by the, by the way i should point out we kevin and i were talking and december 20th is our last show um for the for the actually for the year it'll be our last show for the, for the year. calendar year. yeah yeah for the calendar, calendar year yeah so um so we will be going ahead and and just uh and and making that so the december 20th will be our christmas special um, so Kevin and I were trying to, you know, coordinate some outfits and stuff like that. I, I asked him to dress up like an elf. So I'm hoping that that, that pops through there because we all need what, that in what, our lives. What'd you get me, big guy? Nothing. Coal. You get you like as as a normal. You get you get coal. Uh, by the Spending way, big, some of that corner of the galaxy cash. I bet. By the by the way, big shout out. Uh, David uh, is 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 contributing to the model train fund. Apparently, uh, David says uh, may duck out early. Uh, deadline on comic scripts, so I can get it to the artist. But wanted to send a Christmas gift to the show and say thank you. Also hoping to hear about Terrence Boyd and Ilya Sanchez. So we'll talk about both of those. Thank you, David. We appreciate it. Ten dollars super chat. Super nice. Um, to do that, but, uh, Kevin, so we're, we're in this off season mode. Um, it is slow. It is also very quiet. And I, I mentioned this on Thursday's show, but I think it now bears repeating because we're back on a Monday. So we've gone all the way through the weekend again, uh, little crickets playing here and there. Um, that's about it. That's all we've really heard from the LA galaxy outside of something we already knew, which was Julian Araujo and Efrain Alvarez were called up to the Mexican national team. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Um, do you, it feels, I don't know if it feels too quiet and it's just because this is lull before MLS cup and then things will eventually go. But again, we've seen, you know, a, a major piece Dennis to close depart as general manager. And we haven't heard or, or really seen from the LA galaxy to sort of explain what they're going to be doing for these next, for this next year and how they were sort of distributing things out. Is that, is that not, well, at least not publicly. It's weird because Chris Klein is, I've had two conversations with Chris Klein one by phone and one just in text message. The first one was after Dennis left and, and Chris said, uh, you know, my question was, well, how is this going to work? Is Greg going to be Greg Vanny going to do the general manager duties? Is he going to have a helper? How's that all going to work? And Chris said, we're talking that over now, which is a little bit, I, I'm, I'm not sure how sincere that was because they knew Dennis was, they, they I think they suspected Dennis was going to leave for a while. And I'm sure they had some plans. He said, we're working on that now. Um, we will, uh, we will, you know, go public with our new structure soon. And, and, uh, you know, everything is, is humming along and everything's great. No news here. And then I haven't heard from him. That's been a couple of weeks. The second conversation we had was last week when the, uh, Orange County Register story came out about him selling his house. And I reached out to him and said, should we read anything into this? And he said, ha ha, no, not really. And then I tried to sort of pin him down on what exactly that meant. And that was the last I heard of him. I don't know if he was kidnapped or, or, or what, or whether he just stopped talking, but it was right in the middle of a conversation and it's been a week now and I haven't heard from him. So I, I hope he's okay. Yeah. I, I, I would imagine that he is uh, one. I would imagine he is, I, you know, I did sort of, uh, again, I saw, and, and having, having talked to you a little bit, I sort of, you know, shot down a, a little bit of the, of the, fervor around Chris Klein selling his house, you know, that, oh, that means he's leaving. That means he's going somewhere. And, and I explained, uh, I, I think, and I hope I didn't, you know, patronize everybody, but I did explain what Southern 
um, you know, Orange County and in that area where he was at, uh, what the real estate is doing and why it was even a, why it was a great time to do exactly what he's doing, which is to, to sell a house, um, especially one that apparently, according to the the register, you know, he bought for around three million dollars and now has has it listed for one point six higher. And, you know, just a couple of years, it's it's rare that you can make one point six million dollars, Kevin, just over a couple of years. And real estate is one of those things in uh, in Orange County that would do it. But well, I, I, I should point out that and I just want to I want to sort of say this is that it doesn't mean that he, it's not something isn't going on either and that this isn't just, you know, a little bit of a smokescreen on stuff as well. Right. I mean, we we can be a little cautious with that. Yeah. I mean, my understanding is that he's not even going to change zip codes, that it's just, you know, he's taking advantage of the real estate market, as you said, and and maybe he's going to, you know, downsize a little bit or um, but but he hadn't said that. We haven't said that definitively. He hadn't said, I'm not going anywhere. Um, you know, our suspicion that you and I have talked about individually, and I, you know, perhaps this is unfair to even mention on the show, but since we're, I'm going down that well right. anyways, we're I already there. Keep going. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, he is working with, with the 2026 World Cup community. In fact, he's heading it. Uh, um, so he, he's going to be really busy over the next four to five years. Um, his contract with the Galaxy runs out after next season, 2022. My understanding is that's, that he had signed a five-year contract extension after the 2017 season, which is still mind-boggling to me, worst season in history, and the guy in charge of the train wreck signs a five-year deal. But um, he uh, you know, has rated the ship somewhat, and 2022 is his last season. Whether he's preparing to, to you know, take over uh, full-time the 2026 World Cup uh, committee for Los Angeles, I don't know. That could be a full-time job. Um, seems like a weird time to leave now. Um, I, I don't know until, you know, we, we, as you said, everything has kind of gone dark and quiet and I understand why there's not a lot going on. If I'm the president of a soccer team, this is the, probably the time of year I go dark and quiet too. Yeah. So I, I was going to say, I know a bunch of, of players are, you know, either on their way out of town or have left town already. Right. It's sort of, it is that like vacation time where if you're going to spend any time with your family, you're going to do anything. Now's the time to be away because Sort of between MLS Cup and, and John was asking in the in the uh, chat room as well. He was saying, you know, is there an MLS blackout on news up until MLS Cup? And the answer is no, but also, yes, there is. There's a there's a tendency for teams to want to wait for MLS Cup to be over, because let's say you make any moves or you do any big things right now, Kevin. It's all sort of overshadowed by the fact that you're not playing for the championship team the championship game, which is going on, you know, this weekend. So. There's there's always some of that that is that is encrusted in, in all of these moves around now. You know, obviously, people who want coaches need to find coaches. And those are things that have to happen right away. And sometimes even player signings can be OK. It sort of shows you're going to the next. But at the same time, you know that league wide. And I think this is less so in Major League Soccer and more so in some of the other major sports in the United States, which is. Once your team is knocked out of, you know, contention out of the playoffs, out of whatever you're doing towards MLS Cup, you kind of are like, OK, next, what's what's going on? I mean, I watched some games this weekend, um, which were were interesting. And I, I don't know if people are not following Philadelphia and seeing 11 players go on the health and safety protocols and not being able to play. Talk about just absolutely gut wrenching to play a whole season and then have 11 guys go on health and safety protocols, basically the covid protocol. Um, and a lot of there were three or there were uh, multiple people on that that were starters and you you just tear it apart six starters six, six starters including starters. the goalkeeper six starters i mean and, and huge guys in terms of you know uh, bedoya was on there as well right and blake and, and blake blake was the guy that got him there in yep. the shootout yeah and, and so you look at all these different things that happen and then you know to go down and the, the way they played against new york city and just that was that was so much fun to watch and 
Um, I said this and I'll say it out loud so people can criticize me. Uh, there's two things you have to know about me over this weekend. Uh, one is, did you see that fake slide in, in, in NCAA football? There was a quarterback who was, who pretended like he was going to slide yeah. and then you, he you ran wrote all about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm totally, I think that's totally illegal in, unless, unless you want to allow players and tacklers to hit you whenever you slide, you should probably not fake slide. Right. And so you have to somebody has to do something about that. That's a rule that's set there. You, we don't want you hurting the quarterback. So the quarterback's going to use that as an advantage and pretend to be like, I'm going to slide. No, I'm going to run. That should be illegal. So that's one thing. So if you link that and the reason I share that is if you link that with my feelings about um, New York City celebrating and jumping all around in Philadelphia Stadium and being jumping off crazy, they they played a B team, a force B team. And I'm not saying Philadelphia didn't put up a great fight. They did. Uh, it was always one of those like Cinderella stories. What's going to happen? You know, is this is can Philadelphia actually pull it off? And they played so well to try and do that. But you could tell you could tell what was going on. And the fact that New York City came out there and, and to their credit, their coach uh, said afterwards, he said, I didn't think we played very well today. Um, I don't think we played very well at all. You know, defensively, we were OK, but offensively, we, were, we struggled, you know, after the game. He said that. So I at least I can tip my hat to that. But watching them celebrate there and do that on the Philadelphia field, it just it rubbed me. It rubbed me all wrong. I did well, not and, like it. And I said, by the way, I said, Andre Blake uh, uh, led Philadelphia in the shootout against New England. Of course, that was um, uh, that was against Nashville. Um, but uh, and I think, you know, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I, I think a lot of the Philadelphia players, you're talking about Bedoya and Andre Blake, who I just mentioned, Jim Curtin, the coach. I, I, my sense is they're pretty popular among their peers. That the, the, And so I think because of what you just talked about and because of the, the fact that they lost six starters to the COVID protocols, um, which is not the same as saying these players tested positive as COVID protocols. Right. And we're not quite sure what that means. But my point is going to be, I, th I think probably a majority of MLS players and coaches and teams are now rooting for Portland in this final because of uh, New York's little over-the-top celebration. Can, can we go back to, to the LA Galaxy? We talked about the Western Conference and the last time. The LA, LA who? Yeah, the LA Galaxy, that team. <laughs> okay. um, you know, the podcast we're doing. The oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. right. Exactly. Um, the logo right there. If, you, if everybody remembers, the Galaxy went up to Seattle um, and ended up beating Seattle. Uh, and then they presented the Western Conference trophy and Robbie Keane was the, the captain. And so they presented Robbie Keane the trophy uh, or was it Landon? I think it might have even been Landon who went out there uh, and they said, congratulations, Landon. Here's the Western Conference trophy. And Landon goes, thank you. Puts it down and everybody left the stage. That was it. Right. And, and again, it's different because you look at, you know, New York City, who hasn't won, a, you know, a conference championship before, hasn't won an MLS Cup and, and what they're doing. So it's like, as somebody says, is like they acted like uh, robots said uh, they acted like they never won anything before. Well, they haven't. I mean, that was <laughs> that was it. They just won something. So there's some of that. And I can understand being excited about it, too. But I always appreciated the fact that and this is the same in hockey, right? Whenever they, you win the, the conference and, and, and you win, you're like. Thank you. No, I'm not touching it. That's not the one we want. We want the Stanley Cup. You know, it's it's that type of thing. You want the MLS Cup. Um, and it's 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 just interesting to see. I mean, Portland celebrated like they were throwing a party, you know, everywhere, too. So it's not like you can criticize and say Portland's won stuff before. Um, so you, you can't sit there. So I, I just find it interesting that I tend to and I'm very much a have fun guy. I'm a very much soccer guy. I'm like bat flips and baseball flipped bat have some fun, enjoy yourself, you know, do the whole thing, get, get real. But for whatever reason, the New York city, um, 
celebration rubbed me the wrong way. And I would imagine that the LA Galaxy, had they been in a similar position, even though it's been seven years, even though it feels like it's forever, even though the team that's there now hasn't won anything for a very long time, I would feel like they would still be like they've been there before. Well, it's like in, in Monty Python, the Holy Grail, you know, King Arthur celebrating after he cuts off all the limbs of the Black Knight. It's like, come on, you know, it's kind of unfair at this point. But, you know, you mentioned hockey. Hockey has so many. I just want to say hockey has so many cool traditions, like that one where you can't touch the Stanley Cup until you've won it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just kind of cool. It is fun. And, you know, and, the playoff beers. And that, that was, that was uh, and playoff beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Landon's thing, too. Like, act, we've won it before, so let's act like we won it before. You're right. When New York played Philadelphia, by the way, those were two teams that had never been to MLS Cup final. I think Philadelphia's streak now is 11 years. Might be the longest, one of the longest, certainly, in the league. Uh, yeah, there's some, maybe a plaque, maybe a plaque. Maybe you shouldn't win a trophy for the conference. Maybe you should just get a plaque, Kevin. Maybe you should, you know, who gets, who gets the wooden spoon this year? Uh, the last place team was Cincinnati since, and they've won it, I think three years in a row or two years in a row. I know that. Yeah. Raining the spoon spooners. Although 2020, um, they technically didn't hand out a, they shouldn't have handed out a supporter shield. They got it right the first time, but they didn't hand out a wooden spoon. So technically they've just won it the last two years, but really it's three years. Um, so yeah, <laughs> feel the berm says, maybe we just give everybody a scented candle for winning the conference championship. Congratulations here. This smells like teen spirit. Um, all right. So, uh, that was just a, an interesting little aside there. We'll, we'll, we'll allow that to sort of sit there. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, again, the rumors going to the, this is interesting because I talked about it on Thursday. I want to talk about it a little bit more though, Kevin, just with Jonathan Dos Santos and the rumors about going to the Houston Dynamo. I was of the, I don't know, false impression that, that, that Jonathan Dos Santos wouldn't stay in Major League Soccer. It makes sense that he might, all right? But for the most part, we usually see international players, whenever they're done, whenever they're, the, that is, their, their contracts have come up, that they don't stay in Major League Soccer. Uh, Juan Pablo Angel, of course, would be a great argument against that. And then he came to the LA Galaxy from New York Red Bulls whenever that was over. That was one of those things that happened. Um, but Jonathan Dos Santos and possibly go to Houston. Houston makes sense in terms of the uh, the locale and really what Houston has always sort of tried to do a little bit, which was appeal to fans both in the state of Texas and south of the border in Mexico. And if you get somebody like Jonathan Dos Santos, a Mexican national team player, um, then you have that, that sort of link there. And I'm sure that he would be welcomed in Houston. But for whatever reason, I just don't feel like that's the best fit for him. Although this has been rumored for a while now. And Austin, I think, for those reasons you just mentioned, would also be another good fit. My assumption was that he would go back and follow his brother and go back to the Mexican League. That just, but when we say back to the Mexican League, he's never played in the Mexican right. League. He left as a, a fifth grader, basically, when he went to Barcelona. So um, he's never played in the Mexican League, and that may be one of the the reasons he's a little bit reticent. He's never played in there; doesn't know the league. He's talked to a lot of people about it. It may not be where he wants to go now. Uh, I think he still wants to play. He's still fairly young, what, 31? 31. Well, he's, his, age, his age is young. His body is old, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's sort of, we always have to argue because we're going to talk about 31-year-old uh, Ilya Sanchez as well. Um, there's some weird stuff I'll tell you about on that, but Ilya Sanchez, he's 31, and you look at the numbers and the stats and the things he's put up, his body is not, you know, 40. Jonathan Dos Santos is 31, and his body is 42. Um, and, and that may be another reason, too. I mean, I know we hear about the athleticism and the physicality of MLS. I, I would argue that it's maybe less physical, uh, less uh, uh, taxing than the, the Liga MX. You know, with, especially in a lot of those games at altitude. Um, they do have travel there. It's, you know, Mexico is a big country. So um, it, 
I'm beginning to warm to the idea that he may wind up in MLS. I know he doesn't want to go away. He doesn't want to retire. Right. It's just, and, and I don't think he wants to leave the proximity of Mexico and his family, especially after, you know, his his father just died. And I'm, I'm sure that that hit him in a way like I don't want to be too far away. Imagine if I wasn't in L.A. when that had happened. Um, so, yeah, I do think that he probably wants to stay around. He wants to be close enough to be with the Mexican national team before he get called in again. Um, so you're right, Houston. And then uh, again, Austin, I think I know that that one hasn't been mentioned, but that also makes a lot of sense. By the way, Tom Bogert from uh, from MLSsoccer.com uh, was reporting also that uh, Jonathan Dos Santos also is being approached by Liga MX. Um, and so it, there's a there's a definite chance that he could end up there as well still. Um, but there were talks with Houston. And again, it just feels like I always thought he would probably go back, go back. And again, I will use go back to Mexico um, to play. Um, just because that's where his dad played and that that's where his brother was and his family has some, so, but I mean, his family's also located here in Los Angeles and you know, he can, he can sort of go. So, um, very interesting, uh, sort of stuff. Now, when we talk about 31 year old Jonathan Dos Santos and 31 year old Ilya Sanchez, you know, um, I want to point out that on Thursday I talked about Ilya Sanchez and why that made sense. Kevin and I actually got on a phone call and talked about it, why it would make sense that that rumor is fake. Right. The rumor came out as fake, I think, on Friday or Monday or whatever it was. And I didn't have any inside information on it, never claimed to have any inside information on it. And so apparently it was started by somebody at SKC. I'm going to tell you the reason that it was um, that it at least made sense to us is that there are a lot of connecting factors that you can sort of make and why it could happen. Um, again, if you're looking at somebody like Sebastian Legette, which we talked about on Thursday and talked about why. Um, why perhaps uh, Jonathan or uh, Special Jet might get traded from the LA Galaxy, Kevin? It's that you know, does he really fit in the system? Can the LA Galaxy turn that into a big asset in terms of going out and getting something and you know, making a lot of uh, making a lot of uh, money off that? You know, and, and general allocation money, maybe international slots, and can you do something to better your team if you think that Sebastian Jet can't fit into your system? Which I think is still a stretch to say he can't. And there's a huge PR side to that that really you do have to consider. I know people are like, no, you can't consider. Yes, you do have to consider it. U.S. men's national team player, very well liked, that type of thing. Um, so there's a reason that that makes sense. So while while I've seen the 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 quote unquote the DMs that say that the Ilya Sanchez rumor is fake, I will just tell you that it still seems that that would still be a move that could possibly happen for the LA Galaxy and not to just count it out. Again, no inside information. It's just it makes sense in terms of what the LA Galaxy are trying to do. And we already know as a defensive midfielder with Ilya Sanchez, um, we already know that the LA Galaxy possibly also interested in a 22-year-old def defensive midfielder, uh, Victor Felipe Mendez, a Chilean player, uh, who we may actually get to see playing against Julian Rajo and Efrain Alvarez whenever Chile and Mexico face off on Wednesday. So... Um, there's a lot of little things that sort of tie in. So a defensive midfielder in the Chilean, a defensive midfielder in LH Sanchez, Kevin, it the, my argument on Thursday with myself is, does that mean that Ravellison is your eight now? He's more box to box and he's going to do what Jonathan Dos Santos was supposed to do. And that now you're going to go out and get a six. And does that make sense to transform that for the LA galaxy to get a better six? Let, uh, let, uh, Ravellison be your eight, um, and sort of switch things around that way, or is Ravellis in the defensive midfielder, and you should be looking for something else in that midfield? Well, I think Ravellis proved that he deserves to be a little more involved in the offense, that he can certainly fill that role. Your point about Sebastian Legit is really interesting, though. Um, with Julian Araujo now out of the picture, he's going to play for Mexico. There's no turning back now, even though he's not cap-tied yet. He did uh, ask FIFA for the one-time waiver, so he's he's out of the U.S. picture. Um 
the Galaxy is a big club in a very big market uh, at a time when the World Cup is about to come here with the next World Cup. This will be a World Cup year coming up. Um, all those should be factors for the Galaxy. If Sebastian Legette goes, there is nobody on the horizon that's going to play for the U.S. national team. There is nobody on this Galaxy team, I don't believe, I don't think Madagascar is going to make the World Cup. There's nobody on this team that's going to be in the World Cup. And so the Galaxy then are, are going to lose all of that I mean, attention. I mean, Araujo and Efrain Alvarez, right? Because well, in, in terms, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you're talking about for the U.S. on the U.S. side right. of things. Yeah, and, and so I, you, you're right. We do have the two Mexican players. And in L.A., that might be enough. Maybe mm -hmm. the Galaxy have decided that, you know what, if you're on the Mexican World Cup team, that's even better than being on the U.S. World Cup team in L.A. But I, I don't think the Galaxy want to set out the World Cup, I guess is my point. Sebastian Legette is the one guy on the U.S. team that's going to be playing for the Galaxy. And the U.S. team right now, by the way, is they opened camp yesterday, Sunday, in at Dignity Health Sports Park. No L.A. Galaxy players in camp. Yeah, no Sebastian uh, Legette. Yeah, one guy, which is understandable. He he was second on the team in starts and appearances. So, um, you know, this may be, a, we don't know what it is. It may be just a rest. Maybe it's, you know, he didn't play in the last three games, didn't start the last three games of, or last two games of qualifying. So we'll see what that means. But I do think the Galaxy need to think a little bit about that. Um, you know, Greg Berhalter told me that Sebastian Legit took a while to grow on him that the U.S. national team, were, they really weren't sure where he fit in and what his best role would be. They found out um, he contributed, you know, contributed mightily last season, uh, or this year rather. This is the most successful year, um, or one of the most successful years in, in national team history in terms of wins and trophies. Sebastian fit in. He was a key part of that. And, and Greg Baralta told me, Greg Vanny will figure that out. He will find a role for Sebastian Jet. doesn't seem like he's really done it yet. I don't think Sebastian is thriving uh, in, in this uh, system that Greg Vanny has set up. And that's why the talk of the trade, you know, he's making almost a million dollars. Um, you know, that would be salary that could be used in other places. Um, he's not in a position of need right now. He doesn't fill a, 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 a role that can't be filled by somebody else. So there's a lot of reasons to trade him and a lot of reasons not to. Yeah. It, 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 again, we've talked about it. it. It does. It's back and forth. And I listen, I'll tell you right now that whatever the galaxy do, and it sort of feels almost like Giassi's artist, right, Kevin? You know, remember famous LA Galaxy right back? Right back. Yeah. yeah. Um, right Giassi's artist, uh, you know, you knew that wherever Giassi was going to go, you knew he couldn't stay with the LA Galaxy and you knew wherever he was going to go, he was going to get better, right? Because it was just, it was one of those things he needed to change. Things needed to change, but it still hurts that whenever you let go of somebody, you know, they're going to get better and that you have to deal with that so whatever happens with sebastian legit you have to offset that with whatever you're going to get whether it's another international slot plus a whole bunch of you know a million dollars in general allocation money maybe sebastian legit goes to somewhere like charlotte where you you mine some of that extra allocation money that expansion teams are going maybe he's one of the pieces that sort of starts you know charlotte on their way um but but, but there's a danger there's a danger you're right all that is exactly right and if Sebastian Legit were to leave, and again, you know, I mean, it, he he has a place here. But if he were to leave, you, you're right, he would thrive. But the last thing the Galaxy want to do is have a Walker Zimmerman situation where that guy, you know, Walker Zimmerman left LAFC, goes to Nashville, two-time defender of the year. And, and you haven't, haven't been getting, able to replace him. Yeah, yep. and, and yep. It just, the void just stares you in the face every time you take the field. That's And that's where it sort of goes with all this. Let's go to the, the rumor here about Tyler Boyd as well. 26-year-old um, Tyler Boyd uh, was originally... It's into the legit conversation, by the way. It, it does. It does a little bit. Um, because you're looking at somebody who, by, who, who is a 
a U.S. men's national team international at some point. He has uh, ten caps, I think you said, Kevin. We were looking yeah, at. he played and he played in the 2019 uh, Gold Cup. Yep. So so Tyler Boyd, uh, he's a right winger. Um, can play also in the center, so you can play a little um, central mid as well. I don't know if that's really where you want to play him, um, but Tyler Boyd mostly on the right side now. A whole bunch of things have to shift in order for this to even make sense. And so this was a rumor that was put out um, on the Internet, on on Twitter. I, I, I'm going to try to be as as careful and as clarifying as I can, which is I don't have any information on this to tell you that, yes, this is happening. No, it's not happening. Um, but we're going to talk about it. And if it comes about, then at least you'll have the information um, to, to sort of understand. He's playing in Turkey right now. He's 26 years old. This is a He's guy not, not not playing, though. That's yeah, I was gonna, part, yeah, part of him. 12. I think we have uh, 12 games played and, you know, right around 700 and something minutes in, in his little bit of time here um, with with Turkey. And he's been with Besiktas. He's been loaned out twice now from that team, hasn't really played much for that team. And so you're seeing a guy who is struggling to sort of find a place. And Kevin, as you and I were talking about, I bet you could convince him that he might want to leave Turkey. And I bet you could probably, you know, talk to Besiktas and get them to either release him or, um, you know, at least find a small portion of money to which uh, he they would be happy to take. And then you could get uh, Tyler Boyd um, coming your way. But here is the thing that that is you're sort of trying to get, though, um, is that you're 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 trading down, right? Legit is I think 29 years old right now, if I remember correctly. So Boyd is 26, getting a little bit he'll younger. Be, but he'll he'll be 27 in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so 27. So you're getting a guy who's a couple of years younger. But look look who you have playing for the, for the wingers right now for the LA Galaxy. Right? You have you have Sam Grantier. You have Kevin Cabral. Right. So you had on both sides of this this attacking formation on the wings. You'd have to move one of those guys. So I was trying to think of how this could make sense. And again, sometimes you try to force it in order to understand maybe what somebody is thinking. And so if you're Greg Vanny, and Greg Vanny talked about this after the after the season as well, some of the things he learned is, you know, having Chicharito in that two forward sort of set and making him more comfortable, well then perhaps you're starting to say that Kevin Cabral is going to be your second striker. And that with second striker with Cabral, you're going to then have a position for a winger. Legette's not really a winger. He doesn't really fit that role. You can play him there. Um, and certainly we've seen Victor Vasquez sort of play in that role, which is to swing out wide and open up space behind some of the wingers as they would run forward and sort of curl up in those little slots. He doesn't really fit there either. So if you're looking for a winger, you're looking for a guy who doesn't cost you an international slot. You're looking for a guy who's 26 years old. Um, the only thing that really sort of worries me, Kevin, whenever I look at this is that he does, he has not played any games. Um, if you look at just some of the last sort of years, 2018, 2019, 14 games, you know, look at his one of his biggest years, 2019, 2020, 21 games, then four games, then 14 games, then 12 games so far this year. He's not putting up the numbers that you would sort of expect from a guy who's going to come and suddenly be a 34 game starter for you. Either he's underutilized, which it feels like he is, or something else is going on there. And I think you have to be a little bit concerned with, you know, just his, his ruggedness in an MLS season. Um, that makes me, that, that, that makes me a little worried about what you're trying to do and how you're trying to gamble and how much money you're going to have to pay him. You and I were talking about legit salary around 900, just under a million dollars. Let's just call it that. Um, you would, it would probably be a similar salary and, you know, maybe in the sevens or eight hundreds for Tyler Boyd, or you're going to have to put some of that money towards a transfer fee in order to get him loose. It's a little bit of a gamble for the LA galaxy, but if you have to move Sebastian Legette and you're going to get a whole bunch of stuff for that within the league, 
um, then perhaps that offsets any of the risks that you're going to take with Tyler Boyd um, if you were looking to bring him out of Turkey. Well, and it does a number of other things, too. It tells me that if they bring in a winger, it tells me that, once again, they're saying Efrain Alvarez is not ready to play every day, that he's a bench player, um, which I'm sure is not going to set well with Efrain. But but that would be correct in my mind, that he hasn't proven that he can do that. It also um, it would have an interesting effect, I think, on Kevin Cabral in saying that, look, you're a DP. We brought you in here. You're highly touted. We paid a lot of money for you. You got a pedigree. Um, now we're going to put you at a second position. And it's up to you to prove yourself or, you know, you're, you're not long for here. I, I do think that Greg, one of the things about Greg Van is he believes strongly in competition. The idea of challenging players to say, this is your position, but not forever if you don't produce. And uh, if, if that scenario that you just talked about, and I do think Chicharito plays much better in a two forward uh, situation or even a three, four, four, three, three. Uh, he needs help. He's a poacher. He needs help. He's really good on the rebounds and other things like that. He needs other people putting the ball on goal. Um, so uh, in, in a lot of ways, I can see that working. Uh, having a partner up top with, with Chicharito would help him. Challenging Kevin Cabral to finally start to deliver on the promise that he brought when he came from France, that would also help. Yeah, it's it, 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 let's be very honest that whenever I try to do this, Kevin, it really is sort of shoehorning somebody in and trying to make that work. But maybe that's what Greg Vanny is thinking. And if you can make an argument that Vanny is thinking that he wants two forwards and therefore he needs an additional winger and maybe Tyler Boyd makes sense for that. If it's not going to be Sebastian Legette, which means you're going to have to move Legette and then you go after Tyler Boyd all reasonable things to sort of say that they could happen and it could come down. So just keep an eye on that one. Um, I think it's an interesting one. He's averaging, by the way, in his 12 uh, Super League appearances uh, that he's playing right now in Turkey, he's averaging a little, little over 62 minutes per game. Um, so again, not a ton of minutes um, for a 26-year-old who supposedly, you know, 26 to 28, 29 is your, is your peak. You, you're getting a guy who should be in his peak, but he's not playing a lot of minutes. There's a little bit of uh, of worrying um, in terms of if that's the right move for the LA Galaxy. But I th certainly think it would signal what Greg Vanny's trying to do. If for some reason the Galaxy do pick up Tyler Boyd, you're like, okay, we know he wants two forwards up top, and Cabral and Jovalich are going to be battling out for the, that those particular positions. Um, you know, to, to help Chicharito there, or you're going to see you know Chicharito get injured again, which is a very big possibility knowing his history of injuries right with the LA Galaxy he gets injured again and you have Jovalich and Cabral as your starting forwards there's also a chance I think the LA Galaxy could target somebody in a target striker sort of role as well um, bringing in I think there's going to be eight or nine additions to this roster I think that's sort of where we sit and that kind of makes sense when you look at the roster and how many open spots there are there's going to be one designated player um, I would imagine we see that this winter because I don't think Greg Vanny wants to try to fill that in the summertime, but maybe summer summer's right before World Cup, too. It's just this is a weird year. I don't know how you fill that vacancy with 100 percent certainty. Um, well, I, the, the whole World Cup is interesting, too, because you know, the European leagues are going to pause around the World Cup, which means they're going to be 10 games in. A lot of guys probably are not going to be 100 percent game fit going into the World Cup as they normally are, because the World Cup comes after the European season. MLS, conversely, if you're a guy trying to get on your national team, trying to win a spot on your national team, this might be the World Cup year that you come to MLS because you're going to play 34 games and perhaps a playoff, uh, and you're going to be game fit going to the World Cup. You're getting, you you could be more valuable to your team. So it, it is interesting. Chris Klein did say that they, they definitely have that DP spot they want to fill, and he said one or maybe two other positions. He said he thought that the team uh, was pretty well set. He liked the fact that – well – he liked the fact that that the, the team now is a team where it, remember it was it was it was being put together as as the season moved on. 
now all these guys know each other. They played with each other a little bit. He thinks that they're going to be on the same sort of footing when they get into next season. But when you're talking about Tyler Boyd again, Boyd again, and you're talking about looking at the acquisitions and what it does for the formation, if they bring in a winger, I think that's a message to, again, a message to Efrain Alvarez, who you were going to suggest may not be here much longer anyways. Yeah. So that is my interesting. And I was trying to think of this is, this all led to my thinking. So you have stream of consciousness. Today. Wasn't that a great segue? It I just, is, I, you, well, I professional. teed that puppy up for you. Professional is what it was. That's what it was. That's um, right. So yeah, I was, I was thinking about this. So if you go get Tyler Boyd and you're starting to think about that, you're like, oh, okay, well then you're sort of mixing things around. Well, then there would be a combination of Boyd and Araujo on the right hand side. Araujo plays advanced. Boyd and Rajo would be a partnership on the right-hand side that perhaps, you know, could see, um, you know, a lot of movement. But everybody's asking, of course, uh, about, you know, Julian Rajo and what his what his future is with the LA Galaxy. And anybody who's been listening to the show for any period of time knows that I've been expecting Julian Rajo to leave for like the last, you know, 365 days. Basically, when's he going? He's gone. He's not going to stay. Here is the one thing, though, I started to think about today, started to go, to go over, which is Julian Rajo has made himself irreplaceable to the LA galaxy, right? They can't go out and get a 22 year old. Um, you know, they can't go out and get a 22 year old right back. Who is going to put in the production that he had, by the way, somebody did a, uh, based on metrics and MLS, like starting 11 or the best 11 based on metrics. And Julian Araujo was tied sort of in that right wing, right back section. He wasn't the top person, but he was tied for one of the best in the league. Um, and why do you say 22 anyways? He's not, he's 19. Is, is he, is he still 19? Oh, that's yes, right. I'm, I'm, still I'm a teenager. sorry. He, th I think he's older than he is. Sorry. Um, you're not going to be able to go out and get this guy. There, there's that you could not go and buy a 19 year old Julian Araujo and put him in major league soccer if he was outside of the league. And so his replacement is going to be very difficult. Um, so, you know, you're going to get worse if you're the LA galaxy, if you let Julian Araujo go and he played so well that his price has gone very, has gone up in my opinion. Right. And it's, it's sort of skyrocketed and it's sort of in there, which would argue, then you would say, well then sell high. But the thing is now I think his price has sort of gone to an area where it's not going to be the teams getting ready to take a chance on a development player. Now, now you're talking about teams who need a right back, a starting right back, and they want a 19 year old Julian Araujo to come in and play that as a starting position. So there's, there's a lot more money sort of on the line now. That's this is this is my argument. This is how I talk myself into this. So just just hang in there with me a little bit. So now if you're looking at Efrain Alvarez and Julian Araujo, Kevin, it's easier to sell somebody like Efrain Alvarez because the expectations aren't as high and somebody would be willing to somebody in League MX certainly would be willing to take a flyer that he's going to be really good and it won't cost him that much money. Julian Araujo now costs so much money. You have to know that you have a spot for him to play and that you're going to make that sort of that definition. So I think that Julian Araujo played so well last year that he may have earned himself more years in MLS. Now, I don't know if that's what he wanted. Um, I, I imagine eventually he wants to go off to Europe, but you're talking about a guy who simply cannot be replaced inside of major league soccer. And because of that, his price is so much, he's, he's worth so much more to the LA galaxy now that somebody might not even want to pay that amount um, on the outside of the league. I kind of reached the same conclusion, but I didn't go through all that convoluted, weird thinking that you did. I just looked at the fact that they, the Galaxy, let uh, Fisher, Hamalainen, and Daniel Acosta, Daniel Acosta go, and they have no coverage at outside back. That told me that that they had no plans on on entertaining any offers for Junior Rajo. You, and, and you're right about Efrain Alvarez. Again, if they bring in a right back if, or a, a winger, if they bring in a winger on either side, or they're even thinking about bringing in a winger on either side, once again, 
you know, there's no room for Efrain Alvarez. And again, going back to World Cup year, Liga MX has basically the same calendar as MLS in that they play a full season that ends right before the World Cup. Um, if Efrain Alvarez wants to break into that Mexican team, a move to M- I, I think for him right now, a, a move to Liga MX, now that he's with the Mexican national team, is better for him than a move to Europe. And that's a tough sell. I understand there's a lot of reasons why people might argue that. But I do think if he's trying to break in with the Mexican national team, being in Mexico is where he wants to be. That would be a, a – I see that move happening if Dennis is still here and his connections with Mexico. Um, I think that would be an easy move for him to pull off if that's what they wanted to do. might be a little more difficult. But, but that would be the best move for Efrain, especially if they sign a winger. He doesn't want to sit on the bench in a World Cup year. Yeah, I, I mean, the biggest thing that I'm seeing now for Efrain Alvarez is that there is potential and the Galaxy may want to trade on that potential, right? It's like, hey, I can cash in on this potential. He might not reach that potential. And we've seen starts and stutters. Certainly he had a lot better effect sort of in the second half of the year, which is good. He grew into it. But is he going to take another step forward? We've been waiting for him to sort of break out and, and do those things. So if you're the Galaxy, are you confident? If you're Greg Vanny, are you confident that that Efrain Alvarez is going to take another step forward, that he has what it takes to really be a force in Major League Soccer, um, a starter, or do you take the money now and you sort of cash out and say, I'm not so sure about him. And because I'm not so sure now might be the time there's enough, there's enough, you know, hype around him that we could probably get some good money. We could use that money for other things. Maybe now's the time for FRA. Whereas in Julian Araujo, the potential is still there for him to get better, but the potential is also that there's no potential. He's shown what he can do on the field. And so to me, that's worth so much more to the LA galaxy. We've talked about that. I think to other players, which is a player who's worth more to the LA galaxy than he is to any other team, right? Julian Rajo is worth more to the LA Galaxy right now than almost any other team unless somebody wants to come in and like, you know, offer them like 20, 25 million dollars or something like that. And that's probably way too high. Um, but well, maybe and, it's maybe it's 12 or 15. Well, and speaking of that, people in, in around Liga MX tell me one one place to go with a player like Efrain Alvarez, who was born in the U.S. but is Mexican uh, is, is eligible for a Mexican passport. Going to Chivas um, of Guadalajara, mm-hmm. uh, they overpay for Mexicans because they still operate under that rule where you have to qualify uh, for Mexican citizenship, uh, Mexican passport to play for Chivas. Um, uh, the rest of the Mexican league is, is now looking outside Mexico's borders. Chivas is not. Chivas will overpay for a player who has, you know, Mexican citizenship capabilities can get a Mexican passport. Efrain Alvarez has that. That might be a place where the galaxy might want to move him. All right, let's uh, let's shut down a little bit of the rumor talk and let's go to a little bit to MLS Next Pro. And if you're confused, one by the font or two by the name. Um, by the way, everybody should go look at this font. That logo is wow. So the logo is pretty bad. I I have to ask this question though, just sort of watching from the outside and not really caring all that much. Is there any logo that doesn't get absolutely panned whenever it gets put on like a social media or anything? You know, I I read a thing a while ago and I forget exactly what the context was, but it was talking about changing a brand. And they said, when you do that, this marketing expert said, when you do that, you have to be totally committed to listening to crap about your new brand for six months. If you can get past six months and you're still in business, you're doing good. You're good. You're good. But it's the first six months. Nobody likes it. And we just saw that the Mexican national team just changed their logo for the first time in decades. Widely panned, but they 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 spent two years designing this thing. They're going to hang in there at least for six months. Uh, Chicago Fire would like to have a word about, you know, changing logos and doing all sorts of stuff with that. So, um, yeah, MLS Next Pro. Now, 
Uh, if you've been living under a rock and you haven't been paying attention to the academy system that was in the U.S. and how U.S. soccer had the the U.S. developmental league or, or I forget exactly what they what they called it, um, that that went away. And when that went away, there was this huge void to sort of try to fill. And MLS wanted to try to fill that void and do some different things. And so they they created MLS Next, which is going to be this academy system. So this academy with outside teams comes in and it's for developmental kids. Um, you know, you whatever you set probably all the way up to, you know, U18s and, and that's sort of that MLS, U16s, that's that MLS, um, you know, sort of uh, niche that they're trying to fill with these academy positions. Well, now comes the next step of that. Everybody's aware the LA Galaxy 2 play in USL Championship. Um, second tier league. Second yeah, tier sec league. so that's the yeah, second division of soccer in the United States. Um, LA Galaxy 2 started that team in 2014. It was the first MLS team to have a USL team. Um, and as the LA Galaxy 2 sort of, you know, come in and, and play these games. Now, um, for fits and starts, that's been really good for the LA Galaxy. And if you listen to any of our talks with, with Dennis DeCloso, either at our live show or certainly during that development show um, that he and I had a talk about, um, there were questions about ML, this, this next phase where MLS was going away from USL. And I, I think there's reasons why MLS was going away from USL. Uh, certainly people have said that MLS wants to take over all levels of the pyramid uh, for, you know, soccer and development and all those things. And MLS Next Pro is this level. Now it's a third division, third division. So not second division, third division league, MLS So Next we'll Pro. compete with USL Pro under USL Championship. By the way, the best team in USL Championship right here in yeah, Southern California. Something with Orange County. That's right. Orange um, County Soccer that, Club. Yeah, that was a fun, that was actually a fun, uh, fun final to watch as well. And what a fun run for them is it just the, a team that doesn't score very many goals um, goes into the final and scores. I think it was four, one was the final. It was, it was, it was three, three, one. Three, uh, one. They had an Asian, Haitian international score, both their two of their goals. By the way, the only professional sports team in Southern California that will win a championship this year, because the Rams or Chargers win the Super Bowl. That's next year. I don't care if it's this season. Gotcha. gotcha. In this calendar year, yes. Orange County Soccer Club. That's there you, it. There you go. So, um, but anyway, so you have the USL and the USL and MLS have been married for a while, right? They've been promoting each other. And yeah, you've seen massive growth in USL, the championship levels, the pro levels, um, their, their league one and league two as well. So they've had, there's, you know, four divisions of soccer basically that fit under USL um, second through fifth. Uh, whenever you look at all the different teams that are sort of uh, sitting there. So, um, they, you know, here's the problem with USL and the Galaxy run into this sometimes, but the Galaxy enjoy this part of it is um, I just don't know if USL enjoys the part. The problem is the LA Galaxy are out there trying to develop players for the senior team. The results for their USL team, while important, are not the main goal, right? They're not out there to try to win a USL championship. If it happens, that's great. Um, the galaxy almost did that, um, under, uh, in that like 2014, 2016 era, somewhere in there. Kurt Anoffa was the coach then. Kurt Anoffa was the coach. Pete Vianis sent the leading scorer for, uh, for the, the whole entire league of USL, which was Jack McBean on loan, uh, where he didn't play under a coach who then got fired. Uh, the, he, by the way, Jack McBean ended up finishing second or third in the golden boot for that and didn't play like the last eight or 12 weeks of the season. So just to understand how far ahead he was whenever he got sent out, did all those things. Um, so the LA galaxy Two have flirted with that in, in sort of being good, but at the same time, their ultimate goal is the development, Kevin. And 
that's the goal for most of these teams that were playing either in USL Championship or USL Pro for for in Major League Soccer. These secondary teams were, yeah, winning's cool, but we really need to develop guys for our senior team, and that's more important. Well, that sort of clashes with most of the other teams in USL, which is you know Orange County, um, you know the uh, the Renos, or you know some of the other non-affiliated teams were out there trying to win championships, and you had teams where the LA Galaxy too had like twenty two year old an average starting age of like 22 years old playing against an average starting team of like 30 years old but but you know there was a benefit in that because when you're talking about this mls next which is a third division team it's going to be a developmental team even though it's going to play in a an organized league it's a developmental team the thing with the usl championship is remember when robbie rogers was trying to move from midfield to to outside back bruce arena sent him down to play there why because in USL Championship, you're playing against professionals. You're playing against men. It's not boys. It's not a developmental league. It's not kids learning the the, the game. It's a serious league, um, you know, with serious players. Players trying to win championships. That's what you want when you want Robbie Rogers to learn to play outside back. You want him playing against men who are trying to win a championship. Right. So it served its purpose. It serves its purpose it, still. It serves day. their purpose certainly for the LA Galaxy. Now, here's the thing: is this league, this MLS Next Pro, is going to be a third division of U.S. Soccer. All 21 initial teams, including an outside, a couple outside teams, um, outside the league. Rochester owned by Jamie Vardy. Right. Uh, right. Uh, uh, the, less, Go ahead. Leicester, Leicester, right? Leicester, sir. <laughs> um, but uh, you have you have them, the Rochester Rhinos, which aren't the Rochester Rhinos anymore. They changed their name in order to go into this. They're into MLS next. They're going to be part of this. Um, so you have 21 teams. The LA Galaxy are not one of them. Nor is LAFC. No teams in Southern California. And and the reason that they're not going to be part of this is that, well, certainly Dennis was very clear on our show multiple times. I want to wait and see how this pans out because I don't want to go to a league that is of lesser competition than what we already have in USL Championship, right? Because, again, the LA Galaxy are striving for that chance. They like that level of competition. They like pressing these young kids to play against these men. That's where it's an advantage. And if you have a group and a an academy and, you know, a second division team that under understands that that's what you're trying to do super huge benefit for that and they play in real stadiums for the most part they play in real stadiums and not the size of dignity health sports park not all of them but they play in real stadiums with real fans with an atmosphere this mls next is not going to have any of that and so you're going to take somebody from uh, are you really going to try to take someone from mls next and then take them up and say hey you you know you what you're going to make your galaxy debut in atlanta in front of 75,000 fans at mercedes-benz stadium and you're playing an mls right now no that that that's just not going to happen so as it stands right now la galaxy will play in the usl championship in 2022 that was confirmed today press releases confirmed it but i also double checked just to make sure and dennis had told us that before he left as well that the la galaxy would not be joining this next um, league uh, until 2023. So that's what the the LA Galaxy now have to look forward to. But, you know, this feels like a step backwards in terms of what the LA Galaxy are trying to do. And we've talked about the Reserve League on here before, and their MLS had a Reserve League. I actually had been to some Reserve League games because they used to happen on, you know, the weekends. Like if there was a game on Saturday night, the Reserve League would be played on Sunday morning on the, you know, one of the outside fields, and they'd have referees, and it would be like the subs who didn't play. I remember Mike McGee playing in a Reserve League game, just cussing out everybody the whole entire time because he needed to get some minutes, and he was out there, so he was like in charge of everything. And just the man had a, has a very dirty mouth. I don't know if everybody knows that about Mike. Great guy, um, but he has all this Stuff. But that was the Reserve League. The Reserve League never amounted to anything because playing your bench players is, does not a development league make. 
um, and does not really, you know, yes, you get some minutes. Yes, you get some running around. Yes, some things happen, but that's not a full-fledged league like USL is and, and sort of how it is. So what you're going to get is a, it feels like is this sort of reserve league that you're going to have academy players play on it as well. And they're going to try to mirror something similar to what USL is doing. Um, I see this as a colossal waste of money. Um, but with USL talking about promotion and relegation, Kevin, and trying to basically separate themselves a little bit from what major league soccer is doing that, you know, MLS isn't going to sit there and just keep supporting that league if they're going to diverge from what MLS wants to do. And I think in some ways, MLS thinks that they created USL or they helped sustain USL and bring it forward. Um, remember with the NASL and different things that have sort of happened over the last eight years, really, um, USL has grown in leaps and bounds and MLS and its support with all those teams is one of the reasons for that. Now, can USL survive that with bunches of things that are happening with USL pro the third division uh, league one and just the different uh, the different union contracts and a whole bunch of other things. So there is now this pathway, at least within MLS and in a fishbowl, they have a pathway, Kevin, they have MLS next, which is the Academy system. Um, that sort of is it, the Academy system competition. And then you're going to have MLS next pro, which is this professional third division soccer league that they're going to try to go out and do this. And then you eventually have, you know, MLS and that, and that thing, this feels like it is a, a, an overreach by major league soccer. I wouldn't be surprised if we watch it for like four or five years and then it collapses again, because well, and, and the other thing is, is with the galaxy, it, they have a year now they're on notice. They're going to be in this league, their, their Academy. I, my understanding is, you know, more about this than I, than, than I do, which is not surprising, but uh, the, the, the Academy, a little bit in disarray, the Academy system. It was, it, it was. I would say it's less of a, a, a little bit now and things are starting to stabilize. And I always think I thought it was great that MLS was sort of going to pick up this academy side of things because there needed to be some umbrella that, that captures this and tries to do this. I just don't like I don't like the, the fishbowl that it's creating. And we talked so much, Kevin, about talent and the talent dilution that is going on all over. Well, now you just create another league. Um, and you create another league at an area where, yes, I think you can develop more talent and I think you can do things and you can, you can spread things around between USL and this, but what are you going to do to guys who are playing in the Academy? And then all of a sudden you bring them up into this, you know, uh, MLS next pro this third division of soccer. Um, and then, you know, there seems to be this giant gap now. And are you going to loan people out to USL clubs? Can the Galaxy still have a USL club and play an MLS Next Pro club? That's the next thing I'm waiting for, an LA Galaxy 3 to be in, be inserted into MLS Next Pro. Well, yeah, and, and, and as we mentioned earlier, the jump between MLS Next Pro and MLS would be huge, and I think it would be a difficult one. That The USL championship step is interesting, but you mentioned promotion and relegation. You let the cat out of the bag. Um, that's an, an, a, a discussion I really don't want to have because I don't think MLS is in, anywhere for a number of monetary reasons, financial reasons. I don't think they're close to that promotion and relegation. But if MLS gets out of the USL championship business, it does open that possibility. Why? Because when MLS has teams in USL championship, the conflict of interest is too great. If you have a team that is about to get promoted and your MLS team is about to get demoted, there's a conflict of interest there. Um, you control both teams. 
Um, so that is something that MLS had to get rid of. If there's ever going to be a chance at promotion relegation, they can't have teams in both leagues. Well, and I think more USL wants to do it within their pyramid, right? So maybe it doesn't even jump up to MLS, which is a closed league, right? This is just the pyramid down there and they want to do up and down. And for MLS, I don't know that they want to put that up. Oh, the, the, the goals for MLS two teams were completely different than the people who were in these USL championship and pro teams. Right. And yes, that's good for development for the LA galaxy or for the teams that have that second division, but it's bad for USL, right? You don't want teams that are just going to get run over because they're playing. It's all 17 year olds today. Cause you know, the Academy system, they want to test some guys out and sort of see how it goes. And they don't care whether or not they win the game or lose the game that hurts the competition overall in the league. And so between those conflicting things, the USL pro stuff, um, you know, the USL championship, the different union contracts now, and then everything else that's sort of going with MLS and how they've got the fish bubble. This is going to be one of those things that's developing. Now, for the most part, LA Galaxy fans, you don't have to worry about it this year. And I'm sorry that we just spent, you know, however long we spent talking about it in order to say that. But at the same time, this is coming in 2023. And I imagine the league is forcing the Galaxy into this. And there's a, and there are other reasons to do this. Remember now that we uh, the, the MLS teams get the finder's fee if the player goes to Europe. If he would jump from MLS Next Pro to Europe. So so um, true. The control is such an important part of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, and and they're they'll get some money, and we've seen that. Ha- you look at the uh, FC Dallas Academy system. All the guys they've sent, you know, Weston McKinney and Chris Richards, all these guys that have gone to Europe. Um, there's money to be made there, uh, and. You know, this is just a maybe this is just another way to corral a bunch of kids. And if uh, one out of every 50 makes a move to Europe and they get a little bit of buck, uh, you know, a little bit of money out of it, that that supports the system. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. All right. We'll see how that goes. Uh, By the way, Josh, one last thing to put in on that is we have seen a lot of European teams, Roma, Barcelona, PSG, all coming over here, starting academies at that same age group that USL Pro Next is looking at. Um, this could be an answer to that. Why let Roma grab the best kids in, in the San Fernando Valley? Why not just corral them and bring them into LA, LA Galaxy Academy? And maybe, again, nothing happens. But why let Roma scout these kids and sign these kids and get the money for these kids? We can do that. Yeah, Josh in the chat room was anyway. saying, saying, uh, saying uh, you know, our last player from the Academy was, and and uh, Cameron already got it before me, but Arahal, Saldana, uh, Efrain Alvarez, uh, Jalen Neal, Marcus Verkranis, uh, Josh Perez, or Jonathan Perez, excuse me. Um, there's been a lot of, of Galaxy Academy players, and that even goes all the way back into, I think, some of Dan Steris, whenever you talk about uh, Dan Steris and Dave Romney. That one, I always, I know everybody wants to use that one as the one and just so you know the LA Galaxy kept him in the academy the exact number of days long enough in order to make him a homegrown player so he was developed somewhere else and they used that to their advantage which is fine um, I have no problems with that but yeah Jesse's artist isn't always the best one if you want to make that argument for people who don't know what happened that's fine um, didn't I no David Beckham come to the academy I'm sure he did I'm sure he walked right through it on his way into the into the <laughs> office sometimes so yeah. he, I'm sure he went to when it always goes on things. So anyway, that's what we got. Uh, I'm trying to think, is there anything else you want to talk about or we're, we're good? I had nothing to talk about when I started this. So thanks. So I, I made I'm, it an hour. I can't I'm, believe it. I'm glad. Uh, MLS next is, uh, is, is going to be an interesting MLS next pro and sort of how that develops. And I, I think it's good that the galaxy sort of get to sit on the sidelines and watch it be, um, a calamity for a little while. Um, and whenever it, whenever it's calamity and whenever it's all maybe settled down in a year, hopefully, uh, maybe there's a good idea of what that competition looks like and how it actually affects the LA galaxy. I would be shocked by the way, if the LA galaxy can put up a big enough argument to tell major league soccer, they don't want to join it. 
Um, but I think that that was the way that uh, that certainly Dennis was leaning um, at some point. And he said, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But I always heard wait and see sort of as I don't want to go there. I don't want to do this. This doesn't sound so, like it's smart for us. Who do you like in MLS Cup? Uh, Portland. Yeah. You know, Steve Clark's only given up two goals in the playoffs. Um, I think two goals in the last five games. Um, and Portland's playing at home. It's going to be a wild for the first time ever. For, they've been in MLS Cup a couple of times. First time they've ever hosted it. Uh, it's going to be a wild crowd um, should, on the turf. Should be fun. I'm I'm in, I'm looking forward to at least watching it. I I like watching from a neutral perspective and complaining about things. So I'm I'm all about that. So am I allowed to cheer for Portland? Since you're not um, allowed to cheer for anybody, you're a no. A New York. That's right. Yeah, but New York City is owned by Manchester City. I, I have a conflict of interest. Yeah, apparently you do. Apparently <laughs> you do. That is that <laughs> on more than one case. So that. By the way, we're wearing the Leon jersey today because they made the Liga MX finals they're going to play atlas yes that's what i heard and people in the chat room, people in the chat room are already giving you uh giving you crap for it which is probably uh deserved uh i want to just point out uh that julian arajo and efrain alvarez uh playing wednesday december 8th uh it's mexico versus chile uh this in is in austin at, yeah the q2 arena in austin so if you want to check that out you certainly can. Um, and then there's obviously uh, the U.S. men's national team game is coming up in, at Dignity Health Sports Park, I think, in January, right? So In January, January. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, or in December. January. Or is it no, December? No, December, December yeah, it's 18th. December 18th. December 18th. That's right. It's against Bosnia and Herzegovina, both of those teams. So it's two against one. Yes. If they win, uh, Greg Berhalter would become the first coach in uh, U.S. national team history to win 17 games in the same calendar year. He's already won two trophies this year. So it would be the, the best year in terms of victories and trophies in U.S. national team history, which is something. Um, so that's what they're playing for. Also, Mexico going in this game in Chile, they lost a friendly before the last two World Cup qualifiers. Mexico has lost three games in a row. I don't, I can't remember the last time they lost four in a row. So this, this, there's a little bit on the line in this Chile game for Mexico. Yep, December 18th again. Uh, December 18th, just a reminder there for that U.S. That's for the U.S. Game. Yep. Yes. Uh-huh. And then uh, December 8th, which is on Wednesday, coming up for Mexico and Chile. So there you go. That's what we have. All right, uh, we have another. Yes. Anything no. else? Okay, good. I'm just looking at the eighth. Is, is okay. actually you, you got that right? Yep. Uh, a show coming up. Uh, on Thursday, I think the hammer is in town, so I think it'll be Hammer and I on Thursday. Who knows what we'll talk about? Hopefully, hammer something time. will happen. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we can actually talk about something and uh, and get that going. So uh, that's what we got. Uh, I think if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11, and head on over to latimes.com for all of his writing. I'm sure he will surprise us with a article that's never been written before coming up very soon. That's what I'm guessing. We'll see if that happens. latimes.com for Mr. Kevin Baxter. That's where you can find him. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. That's where you can find our podcast. Go to YouTube, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff as well. So please, please, please go subscribe, rate, all those fun things. Tell your friends about us, and hopefully we'll have some more news for you on Thursday. All right, that does it for me. That does it for the Panda as well. I'm Josh Pato-Gesman. He's Kevin, the Panda Baxter. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.